Thank you for listening to Wolfcast and Pod, the episode-by-episode breakdown of Angel the Television series. We will be discussing each episode in detail, so we have no concern for spoilers and the like. Please enjoy. You spared me. Why'd you spare me, Darla? Do you really have to ask? I'm in love with you. <laughs> Shut up, Lila. Shh. from the higher powers it's another episode of wolfcast and pod we're still doing this thing joining me reuben in the quest of doing an episode by episode breakdown of each episode of angel the television series in podcast form is your friend and mine her name's kara oh hi kara (laughs) hi hi how's it going i'm going to apologize formally because i have a bit of a, a little bit of a cold so uh, if I'm not pronouncing my B's properly or my, uh, I don't know what other letters you don't pronounce properly when you have a stuffed up noggin, but that's going to be me today. So otherwise I feel great. Just sound terrible. So two things about that. One, I appreciate the apology, but if it's going to be formal, really, you should submit it in writing. So <laughs> to all five of our fans, you're going to have okay, to... Perfect. Get their addresses so you can send them a true formal apology. Two, it's established canon for Wolfcast and Pod that when you're sick, you become extra Canadian. So, we... <laughs> Is, and that's a good thing. That's a positive. <laughs> I I would say I'm indifferent to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you well, can be as Canadian as you want to be. Look, look into your heart. That's good to know, eh? Anyway. Um. Today, we're discussing Redefinition, which is, uh, I guess these these three episodes are really sort of like chronologically like right back to back to back, even though they're not considered a three-part as trial ends, and then reunion begins, um, and then uh, reunion ends, and (laughs) Redefinition begins, so... uh, just like we left off, everyone is leaving the hotel, uh, having been fired. And uh, they don't know what to do, but after complaining about it for a bit, they go their separate ways. And uh, this, the B storyline is, um, Lindsay, it turns out Lindsay and Lila were not murdered by Darla and Gisela. And uh, they are going back to Wolfram at Heart and, you know, having discussions as to like, what is life going to be like now since they're the only people left standing and what is Wolfram and Hart going to think about them when it turns out that Darla and Drusilla kept them alive because they want to still have a connection to Wolfram and Hart even if it isn't uh, obvious to the other people 
the Wolfram & Hart that they're trying to pull the strings. And then, I guess, the other storyline is that Angel is getting physically ready to fight Darla and Drusilla training. And uh, eventually, the gang, Wesley, Gunn, and Cordelia, realize that even if they've been fired from Angel Investigations, that the work that they were doing is still what they want to do. Uh, after a visit to Lord's Karaoke Bar, and so Cordelia gets a vision, they go slay a demon to save some people, and uh, Angel kills some demons as well. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the episode, Wesley tells uh, Angel that they're going to keep doing the good work, no matter what. What did you think of this episode? I thought it was okay. <laughs> um, I would say it's probably for me about a B, maybe a B minus if I'm going to be extra critical, but I'm starting to realize that maybe I should just have fun. <laughs> maybe I should just stop being so critical and like, like have fun. a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there are certain moments in the episode that I find like very charming like uh, the drowning your sorrows of the uh, Wesley Gunn Cordelia combo going to the karaoke bar and you know being uh, being quintessentially them and arguing and pointing fingers and blaming and then smash cutting to singing we are the champions it was just <laughs> uh, it, I mean this is like the least important part of the entire episode I, I feel. But it was also the most uh, endearing, in a sense. And I mean, it had to. There had to be a balance between uh, Angel going super like scary, <laughs> I guess, and uh, the team just being uh, in a very different modeling uh, place uh, through the episode, while while all of this like other drama is sort of going down. Um. I guess as a segue into it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but there are things to like about it, I found. I, I think uh, as much as we can bemoan how um, Drusilla's mental illness is portrayed without with the uh, subtlety and care of like a sledgehammer, um, it's it's a good one for her. She has some, some great moments, a callback, I think, where she... Uh, she says eyes like needles, referring to Angel uh, watching Darla. And she just has some good, like, you know, being being kooky in the backgrounds of things moments, as you sort of pointed out in the last episode, Ruben. Um, yeah, so it was, it was a <laughs> scary slash delightful romp. <laughs> I find as a straight white man that queer people, POC, and women are far too critical and they should just agree with the things that we like and think. So I'm all for you just not being I feel really uncomfortable with this joke halfway through. Yeah, you should abandon this quick. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I don't think anybody listening would take you at face value on that, so. Well, luckily the only people listening are already my friends, so hopefully 
doesn't make them want to stop being my friends. Maybe just question their friendship. Um, I also think this episode is okay, but I'm still willing to be critical. I'll give it a C+. Um, it has fun moments, like you said, um, and I... Uh, the first thing that I'm going to talk about is Lindsay um, when we start the talking section, and I think that Lindsay is becoming the Lindsay that I like uh, now. Um, but like the last episode, doesn't really have like anything to say, and I'm guessing based on the way in which you said it that you would agree with me that Angel becoming dark in this episode isn't impressively dark. I mean, he doesn't do anything no. that's, you know, darker than what he did at the end of the last episode. So it's yeah. kind of like he's less than treading water. Like he's slightly sinking. <laughs> he hasn't even been able to retain the level of darkness that he ended the last episode with. Um, and since that's like sort of the point of this episode is... Dark Angel, uh, I think it's works less than it succeeds. <clears throat> um, fails more than it succeeds. So yeah, the first thing that I wanted to talk about is uh, Lindsay, which is that um, if Lindsay starting, I guess maybe at the end of Reunion through... Um, the episode Dead End, which we haven't gotten to yet, it's like a five-episode arc. If that was all that Lindsay was, he would be one of my favorite characters on the show. Maybe my favorite character. I <laughs> love his uh, smudgeness. Um, <laughs> just, uh, he has a lot of the qualities that um, uh, Riley has that I find interesting, but... Instead, he's, like, evil, Riley. Like, he's just, like, an entitled white dude who just, like, steers into his entitlement. Like, he's not, like, questioning it at all. Or, and, like, it's pretty funny. <laughs> I, I really enjoy the, the way that he does all that. And I think it sort of started at the very end of last episode and then um, continues on through the next couple episodes that we see him in that that I very much enjoy the place that Lindsay is at now. But uh, but I have a similar response to Lila, but it starts later, like season three and four, Lila. But uh, Because of the funniness of how entitled she is kind of thing? No, just she really uh, becomes like a certain version of her character, and I like that version uh, the gotcha. best. No, she becomes more like... Um, a, a Miss 45, but with zinging barbs and uh, law, as opposed to guns. Um, <laughs> and it's just right. like, not a femme fatale, but really like, sort of just like kicking butt, starting in like season three. Like she's still a little meek for my taste uh, in season one and two. Yeah, that's fair. Um, <clears throat> what do you think of Lindsay? I know you didn't like his old hair, but what do you think of the character? And <laughs> The what, are we, 
What do I think of the character now that his hair has changed? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, along with the haircut, he has become slightly more likable, but I think that maybe that's because um, he also seems to have a bit more of a purpose. Like, I feel like he's able to kind of come into his own at this point because he isn't in the shadow of um, the rest of the, I guess, like, day-to-day Wolfram and Hart people, (laughs) in a sense. Um, So... Yeah, it's interesting to sort of see him in this place where he gives zero fucks, in a sense. Like, where he's just like, yeah, whatever. Whatever's going to happen will probably end up working out, so I'm just not (laughs) going to sweat it too much. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't say that that's likable, but at least it's kind of a character trait. Yeah, (laughs) I, I don't want to be friends with him. I just think that he's a very funny inclusion into this universe. And that, like, um, in a way, sort of, like, what's... If you see him and Angel as being, like, a little bit mirrors of each other, that, like, what Angel is dealing with, it like, right now, is he's, like, very frustrated that he can't control everything, that he can't get everything to work in his favor. And in some ways, Lindsay is, like, more philosophically sound than him. He's like, eh, you know... Life doesn't work out sometimes, but in his case, I instead of I it making die. him, instead of it making him like at peace and like cool with the universe, it just makes him more evil somehow. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's just like destructively chill. <laughs> um, well, it reminds me of like a lot of uh, uh, white people who sort of co-opt a type of Buddhist feeling. And what they're taking is not, like, a divestment of their possessions, but they're just like, what if I didn't feel bad about the things that I did? Because <laughs> it Hashtag doesn't really no matter. no bad days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see that in a lot of yoga studios these days. Hashtag no bad days. And, like, that's, to me, like, where, like, Lindsay is at. He's like, you know, like, he doesn't care if he dies, or at least he, you know, keeps saying that. But, like, he also, because he doesn't care what happens to him, he's decided that everyone else should feel that way. And so he's just going to be like, well, you should have gotten yours like I got mine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, I find fair. it very funny. I think he's even funnier in the next episode, but we're not there yet. Um, yeah. We shall get there. <laughs> Yeah, Lindsay, Lindsay's, his character is becoming more evident, sort of, as we, as we go on, which is nice. Um, but yeah, he's kind of a dickhead. Um, so, it's like, I don't know what the right word is for it, not cool, but I guess it's like smart, or as good writing as it was, to like, kill off Holland Manners. Um, I think he was a lot more interesting and impressive of a villain than Darwin and Drusilla. Mm. <laughs> where they don't know how to write them or something. The scene where they go to get their minions and she rips off that dude's ears. I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me interrupt this fight club <laughs> to rip off some ears to show how serious we are about getting you to be our goons. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't quite make sense. Doesn't quite seem like uh, it's completely thought out. 
Yeah, I think that the writers realize that really quickly because they don't like, other than this episode, they don't really have a big plan or anything that like we see happen. And in fact, maybe after this episode, we don't see Drusilla on Angel again, except for in flashbacks. I'm not positive of that. But I know that if it's not this episode, it's an episode soon she goes to Sunnydale. Right. Um, yeah. So you're, I guess you're in agreement with me there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I would say um, they don't seem very threatening as much as they're like, all right, let's go make some evil happen. It's like, <laughs> this is the journey which we will take to make some evil. <laughs> it's like, that's not very interesting to watch. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just like, make the evil happen. If you're going to do it, like, put your money where your mouth is. I really don't but, like their, our Darwa slaves joke. It's very atonal. Yes. <laughs> Bad joke. Yes. Not the best. I mean, there are a couple of atonal moments in this episode, for sure. Oh, what are some other ones? Oh, um, Cordelia calls Gunn and Wesley the R-word. Uh, mm-hmm. Listen up, blank, which is pretty unfunny and uncool, but I guess it was just meant to be throwaway. Classic. <laughs> Yeah. I guess that's the only other one that I can think of right off the top of my head. Um, but it seems to be like a consistency throughout pretty much every episode. There's something that's pretty like, oh, that's offensive. Cool. <laughs> Moving on. I'm uh, reminded of this comic where um, it's like three people sitting watching television and uh, one of them's like, man, if you can ignore all the ways in which this is problematic and like, you know, just enjoy the construction of it and how fun it is, like, this is a really good experience. And one of the other people is like, this came out last year. And he's like, I know. <laughs> 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 and it, it makes me think about when people are like, oh, watching stuff from the past, like, you just have to ignore that. And I'm like, no, you kind of have to ignore that no matter what. This isn't that old. No. <laughs> Or you don't have to ignore it, but you have to acknowledge it and realize, like, hey, not everybody is woke. Um, yeah, <laughs> or not so everybody is. Ignore wants. is not the, the right word. If you're going to be the type of person who takes in a lot of media, which is you yes. don't have to be, but if you're going to be, it means that you're going to take in a lot of media with that problem, with it. Yeah. Because it's inescapable. Correct. <clears throat> Okay, um, I think the thing that you, uh, well, second, liked second most about the episode, them going to karaoke, the reason maybe why you like it so much is because in a fantasy fictional universe, it's like a very human moment. We've all been there. <laughs> Getting drunk. Agreed. Agreed. Yelling Where at other like, people. Wow. Embarrassing yourself at karaoke. Those are three things I've done. <laughs> Those are three things I've done in the past 24 hours. <laughs> no, joking. <laughs> but legitimately, yeah, it's 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 a super relatable 
kind of uh, kind of scene or or I guess series of different uh, broken up sort of like moments in the same uh, setting. But yeah, it feels it feels really honest. And I mean, yeah, uh, Wesley and Cordelia just cannot stop bickering ever. It's like, come on, guys, just like get a room already. My favorite part of that scene is the extremely subtle callback to Bloody Mary. Yes, Wesley orders a Bloody Mary, and the guy's like, do you want real blood? And he's like, mm. And I think it's because he drank blood in this season. That's why they decided to include that joke. Because <laughs> he had, right, right. Bloodless, please. <laughs> but that's a great joke for a demonic bar, too. <laughs> Where the Bloody Mary has blood in it. Perfect. Mwah! On point. <laughs> um, yeah, the first scene with them in it, I just have, uh, I mean, it'll probably come up a lot in five seasons of discussing this show and seven seasons of discussing Buffy, but it's the thing that I think a lot of people associate with Joss Whedon's creations and is the thing that I like the least which is this, like, sort of weedy dialogue when they're just firing off synonyms for having been fired. Right. Cordelia's like, what happened? And it's like, we were fired, let go, kicked out, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, this Can't isn't good writing. Sacked. <laughs> it's what just are we just thesaurus. listing synonyms? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh... <laughs> I mean, it's a good list of synonyms, I guess, but it's just, it seems like it's filler. A little. Yeah, and it's the first scene of the episode. <laughs> there are a lot of first scenes of episodes, I find, where it does not set the tone properly. It's like, mm, Where it's filler? Okay. It's like... Not even engaging? <laughs> exactly, because like what you should, I mean, ideally what you have is if it doesn't connect necessarily as strongly as it could to the rest of the episode, that's fine. But at least make it like a fun intro or a fun setup. I mean, this one did connect to the previous episode, so it did make sense. But it's like we don't have to rest on synonyms, as you say, for like, you know, a good minute and a half of the episode. <laughs> Okay, I'm ex- I am exaggerating. It wasn't a minute and a half, but it felt like it. The only thing that I really like about this scene is um, that Wesley and Cordelia are distraught, and although it turns out to not be true, Gunn's just like, mm. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, this is a part-time job. I did like 10, 15 hours a week. This wasn't my life. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice... He was a gun for hire, <laughs> you might say. What? Yeah, I like that. Okay. Um, Yeah, it's it's not. It wasn't written with this deep intention in mind, but it still lands as being like when you're in a place where you're thinking about what happened to you. You never considered that other people might feel differently about the situation. (laughs) You're like, we should all feel equally as distraught by this. And Gun's like, I don't. I have friends. I have a gang. I have a life. Maybe you shouldn't have put everything you had into your job. <laughs> it's reasonable. I didn't Wesley quite gives... get that that was... I, I didn't quite get that that's what was, the intention was. Like, the, like, well... No, I don't think it was intentional. I think life. it was uh, 
I think it was an example of good writing, just recognizing that different people in different situations will react differently. And that is something that um, I think that both these shows do consistently well. It's something that Basil originally brought up to me. And every time that I feel like I see an example of it, I now appreciate it, which is two people having a conversation are always having slightly different conversations, even if they're, you know, good friends and understand each other. Uh, At some base level, even if they understand what the other person is saying, they're responding to their idea of what the other person is saying. And I think on a fundamental level that these shows generally get that idea. So these are three different people and one of them has a significantly different response to the situation than the other two do. Right. Based on his lived experience. And then Wesley ends that scene giving some really terrible advice when he's like, Angel seems like he's extremely depressed. We should leave him alone. (laughs) I mean, that's what Angel told him to do was to go away, but can't do anything worse for a depressed friend than leave them alone when they ask you to. You have to just be like, sorry, I'm annoying. I'm just going to keep hanging out with you, though. (laughs) Can't get rid of me. I'm always here. Yeah, exactly. That's a fight. And actually, it's interesting that so many times in the past, like, few episodes, we've heard people say, just leave me alone. And then they're completely ignored. But when Angel says it, it's like, just leave me the hell alone. And then it's like, oh, oh, okay, I guess we'll do that for you. You're worth listening to on this one. Yeah. Because you seem fine. (laughs) (laughs) I think... Wesley and Cordelia and Gunn have a different kind of investment in Angel and maybe they don't realize that or maybe they do realize it's a bad idea to leave him alone but that uh, essentially they're taking him at his word and um, letting him define his boundaries uh, mm. which obviously is not a relationship that Drusilla or Wolfram and Hart is going to have towards Darla <laughs> or Angel yeah. or Angel <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of, I guess that's the last thing to talk about in this episode is is Angel. I don't have that many uh, things to say about him. Like, one of the things that Marsha and I used to talk about is how the very first episode, even the first couple episodes of the show, like, is Angel is has started to become Batman, and that, like, he <laughs> is... Uh, all by himself and he's using these tools now and he's like grieving something that's gone and uh you know he's like a dark avenger or whatever standing on top of buildings like his coat like he literally looks like batman in certain in certain shots and that the show like sort of like the arc of season one a little bit is like that's stupid (laughs) like that's not actually a good way to help people which we really like because we don't like batman that much or at least the modern version of batman um and the lone vigilante it seems like dark angel is just becoming batman again and in essence i'm like i i don't know if we need to establish this again even if i like where the storyline ends up it's like what if he was batman again and i'm like i don't (laughs) that was we did this We got through here. I what, how, how do you feel about any of that? Um, I haven't thought about it from that lens of like Angel just being like a solitary like badass. Um, 
akin to like Batman and his like lonerism turning him into a vigilante but I guess that the comparison is pretty identical like it's a good comparison on uh, your collective parts um, I think that it's interesting to see sort of like uh, I, I, I feel like this episode spans maybe like two days maximum mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and from the moment where he's like oh I'm just not strong enough. I can't take on Darla and Drusilla. And like, man, I'm such a weakling to like, all right, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> it was like no time at all. He just was like, I'm going to beat up some demons. Now I'm fine. All right, let's do this. But then um, anyway, so it's it's interesting that it seemed so instantaneous that he was able to like pick up the mantle. Um, I also love the uh, signifying of like truly dark with uh cigarette smoking even though it was used for a purpose but um i think (laughs) the show is so anti-smoking it's amazing it's so (laughs) anti-smoking um sorry i need to blow my nose Ah. um it's so anti-smoking yeah (laughs) and it's funny that like uh i think angelus smokes yeah which may have been why uh and spike and faith right right (laughs) But um, Spike and Faith, for sure. Big, big smoker fans, I guess. Faith less so, but Spike definitely is, like, usually smoking a cigarette um, when he's at his worst. Um, but, yeah, it's it's interesting because I think Angelus, yes, he does. Um, and there is a scene, if I'm picking this up correctly, where Angel actually smoked, but it was like the 1940s or 50s or something. And so it's kind of forgivable in that sense. <laughs> but because <laughs> everybody did it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's a great, uh, a great little bit of uh, telegraphing, I guess, um, <laughs> in this episode. Um. So I want to talk about that scene too, but I just want to make a brief note about the scene where I called him Bat Angel, where he's in the sewer, and he attacks those people with the sword, or not people, vampires. Um, Mm -hmm. He just throws that sword away. Seems like a perfectly good sword. Swords don't come cheap. It's got to be a couple hundred dollars. He's just like, eh, done with this. that's awesome it's a really funny moment that is not intentionally funny at all um whatever props department deal with this yeah yeah, that wasn't an angel that was borealis he's just like i don't want to carry this anymore (laughs) they're like can we get another take where you walk out with the sword and he was like no i'm done The luck recasting me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So at the beginning of the episode, towards the beginning of the episode, when he's training, he's uh, doing a little voiceover, and he's like, uh, Wolfram and Hart's lucky, they get to do their killing at a distance, I'm going to have to be up close. And I'm like, that's cool, you could maybe like tease that out into like something about, you know, capitalism, being like a lot of the ways in which... uh, uh, I wish I had that really great quote in front of me. I'll look it up, actually. Um, capitalism works is by letting people, um, you know, be horrible, like, have a long line of people 
be slightly horrible so that no one is totally to blame <laughs> a bunch of middle managers and stuff like that and i'm like that's uh -huh. that's cool that's that's a really good idea but then at the end of the episode he sort of undercuts that because he also does his thing at a distance like he kills those demons but he sets darla and drusilla on fire literally from a distance like he's not willing to um fight them right up and i'm like hmm and also they didn't really tease that point out in a way that was uh, interesting, but I thought that was a little ironic. <laughs> if the world is destroyed, it will be a white-collar crime done in a business-like way by a large number of individuals involved in a chain of actions, each one having a touch of innocence. That's in. That's that's a pretty intense quote. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, question on burning. <laughs> It seems like majority of the vampires that one would encounter who, you know, are exposed to daylight, let's say, or mm -hmm. set on fire would kind of uh, be dusted pretty quickly. I guess that the implication is that uh, Drusilla and Darla, and I guess like going back to instances where this has happened to Angel in some contexts are more powerful than the average, like... <laughs> Mookie vampire or because like they have time to yeah. run get to a fire hydrant knock the top off the fire hydrant <laughs> like it's yeah. like a good 30 seconds and they're both fine i don't think there's any consistency in that whatsoever and you have that with the uh, dustings as well even though it's not like as an intensive a thing but like some vampires they get staked and then just a foof dust Right, yeah. and then some vampires like Mr. Trick get staked, and they get to deliver a final line, and they're like, "Oh no, this isn't good. This isn't good at all." And then, yeah. and then they turn to dust, and it's like, "Wait, right. what caused the difference between these two situations?" <laughs> and it's yeah. drama. It's the dramatic yeah. difference, I imagine. But anyway, just something I wanted to note. My note about that was slightly different, which is like. Man, they go up quickly. Like, are vampires more flammable than humans? Like, if a human were lit on fire, they wouldn't be on fire that quickly. Like, unless they themselves were also covered in uh, whiter fluid and they're just standing in it, or gasoline yeah. or whatever. They're <laughs> but they're like motor oil. <laughs> yeah, motor oil. They're like extra flammable somehow. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm confused as well about why uh, <coughs> Darla mentions that the smell that Drusilla is pointing out is motor oil, mm -hmm. and then they go into the garage and see Angel smoking. It's like, well, this seems safe. Like, yeah. <laughs> you smell motor oil everywhere. Would you not sort of, like, was that foreshadowing not enough to kind of raise <laughs> your hackles a little bit or make you a little bit more in tune with your environment? Or was the People surprise of seeing Angel too much? <laughs> People should pay closer attention to what she's still saying because she talks about fire. I don't know if it's right then or if it's like slightly yeah. earlier where she's yeah. like, oh, it's a lot of fire and pain. And like, Darla doesn't put two and two together. Like, it makes sense that Drusilla doesn't put two and two together, but yeah. maybe Darla, Darla should have been on top like of the things. Yeah, there were a couple of hints that maybe there was something <laughs> that could end up in a flaming tragedy and it was ignored. But anyway. Get your shit together, Darla. You have to think a few steps ahead if you're going to be an evil <laughs> mastermind. 
<laughs> it's not in her blood or in the blood that she's been recently drinking. Um, that's the only big thing that I've left to discuss. I have little notes. Um, yeah. Nothing I, really stood out as like a major kind of... Like, there were no sort of themes that pulled through the entire episode in a beautiful way or anything. It was pretty much like, okay, plotty. this is just moving the plot along. Um, yeah. Speaking of capitalism, the Wesley definitely should form a union with uh, <laughs> other people who study demons. Unions are helpful. Renowned specialist in supernatural, supernatural aid and rescue yeah. union. Nothing along those lines. Um, and like Virginia says, like her dad is part of a union. The magicians, the warlocks of the world have a union. The warlocks and witches. Like, why shouldn't? Yeah. Watchers and people like watchers. Um, Good point. Lady Marmalade. Always fun. Uh... I uh, I enjoy Lila's play acting when she's pretending like uh, she and Lindsay should run away together. And then Lindsay realizes what's going on. He finds the wire on her. And he's like, I would never steal files from Wolfram and Hart. <laughs> <laughs> sure, Linz. Sure. Uh, that was actually interesting, too, that they ended up being, like, I don't know. It's from a person who works in a business world with business people doing business. <laughs> <laughs> it's strange to me that Darla, who uh, ostensibly has no background in such a thing, um, is like, well, what they're going to do is they're going to take one of you and promote you between yeah. Lindsay and Lila and then kill the other one. <laughs> it's like, well... Yeah. Where is this insight coming from? And then they're both promoted to like co-executive vice presidents of special projects or whatever, um, which is surprising to everybody. But it's like, and it seems surprising to me as well that they would like find two people to do the same job, especially if those two people are so like uh, disrespected in a lot of ways for past incidents. It's like there's nobody else in the entire firm that could take Holland Manor's place, like nobody. <laughs> anyway, it just, uh, it seemed like a really weird business decision and a weird, like, uh, thought on Darla's part to me. But anyway, writing. Wolfram and Hart isn't uh, run exactly like a normal business. Oh, is it not? <laughs> what? Um, I thought it was. Like, just like business down the street, no? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean... In a normal business, like, if those people are contributing, you would never fire, or in this case, kill one of them, just because <laughs> that, that, that would make no sense in a normal business. Like, if they were still useful, you would never get rid of them, even if you didn't think they were worth promoting. Right. Like, they might leave on their own to go seek another job, place where they thought they could get promoted, but... Anyway. Um, I feel like if this was reality, it would be like, oh, we're pretty suspicious because you guys survived this whole thing. Well, that doesn't mean that you really earned anything. Go back to your regular jobs. We'll hire somebody <laughs> external to come in. No. <laughs> right? Like, anyway. 
Also, you both kind of sucked in the past, but we'll look past that. (laughs) I mean, I think probably in a normal business environment, um, until they found someone that they liked, they would dump a bunch of the work on the head of a different department's desk and be like, hey, you got to watch this department too now. (laughs) And I'd be like, "Uh, I already am having trouble with keeping up with contracts. And they're like, well, now you have to keep up with contracts and special projects. I hope you like demons and vampires. (laughs) It's like, huh. (laughs) Anyway, I just need to make sure that all of our invoices get paid. Uh, Wesley tells Angel that someone has to fight the good fight, ironically echoing a sentiment that Angel himself taught Doyle. Angel does not speak aloud during this episode, only in voiceover. Oh, interesting. He says no words that another person or vampire can hear. This is the first episode in the Buffyverse when we hear Drusilla call Darla by name. It's one of only two episodes where she does so, the second being Destiny. I'm guessing in the past she mostly calls her grandmother when they appear together. Um, in German, this was called Neuenfange, Recommencement, and in French it was called Declaration de Guerre, Declaration of War. That's it. Amazing. We did it. <clears throat> yeah. Then- Happy six years of friendship <laughs> on Facebook as well, Ruben. <laughs> yeah. Happy six years of friendship to you too. Yay. It's only been six, and only six more, and we're done. <laughs> oh, come on, we gotta let our Facebook friendship at least become a man or woman and get it bar or bar mitzvah. <laughs> Let's make it 13, and then we'll okay, call it quits. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, if you're not ready to call it quits on this podcast, you should subscribe using your podcast listening application. And guess what? Instead of having to go uh, on your computer to iTunes now to give us a rating and review, you can do it in the phone application. If you have uh, the Apple Podcast application on your phone, you can rate and review in your phone now. So you should do that. Five stars. Uh... (laughs) Your segue is still just like, it's going to remain with me for weeks. Well done. (laughs) Sometimes I have really good ones, and sometimes I intentionally do bad ones when I don't have a good one. (laughs) Um, Speaking of, this podcast is the one good thing we ever did together. The only good thing. You make sure to tell the world that. Bye. Bye. See you next time.